0: Conley is back, plus the Ringers Michael Pena on the Jazz's rebuild, reinvention, and what they've done so far. This is Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz NMLS MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Mike Conley in late game offense. Funny time to bring that up. Because Wednesday. Can you think of a more improbable win? One that had given you more joy than that? That was absurd, the ending. Down by four, 30 seconds to go. I don't care that Steph, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins weren't there. Doesn't matter to me. Because what does matter is how they were able to come all the way back and take that from a surging championship-laden team. They have so much invested in Jordan Poole, and the Jazz turned him over time and time again. They got the turnover to lead to the Simone Fantecchio three-pointer, and then Clay Thompson comes out of nowhere to block him, and to think that wouldn't be the only chance that the Jazz would have? Unreal on Wednesday. But before that, because as you know, AI is huge now, and I have AI scripting out these opens Every single week. So the AI had already printed the script for this open, and I wanted to bring up how Mike Conley being back is going to change the way that the Jazz play in clutch time. Right? Including Wednesday's game, since the Mike Conley injury, Jazz are 1-5 in in late-game situations. They played six games in the clutch of the nine that he missed. And with him back in the fold... It's going to get so much better. Seriously. It's going to flow more smoothly. He's going to organize. He's going to stabilize. He's going to avoid the mistakes that they had over that stretch. He's going to remember to foul immediately after a trap. He's going to do that. Even if he has five fouls, he'll make sure to grab somebody else's arm and make sure he slaps somebody's wrist with theirs so that he can stay in the game and they still foul. Is because he's a veteran. He's seen so many late games. Late games are hard. They are. You watch around the league, Luke on Tuesday against the Nuggets, Denver last night. What I like about Denver as opposed to Dallas is that they allowed Jamal Murray sometimes to handle those late game situations rather than watching the Luka show and seeing him plod and probe. And he makes the right decision all the time, but it's more predictable. It's something I've seen before. Jamal Murray against Dame on Thursday was as good as it gets. And Murray chose to go against Jeremy Grant, one of the best one-on-one defenders in the entire league. But with Mike back, and first reported by ESPN's Tim McMahon, he's going to make sure that they don't have some of those crucial errors down the stretch. Look to Portland Saturday night. Larry Martin's bringing the ball up. He's looking for an outlet, and he decides to flip it back to Kelly Olenek, who's right near the half-court line, and it goes into the backcourt. That's a turnover. That's a late-game situation where Mike would be bringing it up. You wouldn't have that. And even though he missed six games, he has the most clutch time assists for this team. Now, Golden State, do you get the Nikhil Alexander-Walker chop if Mike's in the game? Who knows? But this is a good opportunity to bring up Nikhil Alexander-Walker because he's had some really good defensive stretches this year. And Wednesday was another one. You watched him tracking Jordan Poole, the way he was playing defense on him. There's matchup data on this. It's on NBA.com. You can look it up. Nikhil forced Jordan Poole, 2 of 7 from the field, 1 of 4 from the 3-point line, and only 2 assists, 4 turnovers including the most important one. Nikhil's using his length. He's poking the ball away. He's doing the right things to get him on the floor. And consider Golden State, it's just the second time he's closing a close game. Second time. That's such a tough situation to go into that you have to be impressed with the way that he played. And that's something that Will Hardy has done this year. Like If you're playing really well, if you're functioning, he's going to leave you out there in a big moment. It's very different from Quinn. More rigid, would stick more with rotations. Will is willing to ride the wave. You're playing well, you're getting the ball. You're staying in. And Akeel Alexander-Walker earned those minutes on Wednesday to close the game. It's not a one-off. He did in the first game against the Warriors and against Steph. Tried to slow him down after a first quarter. It's Steph, so he still got points, but it wasn't a Joel Embiid career night. It wasn't that. Nikhil's defense is the most impressive part of his first quarter of the season. Really good. And he deserves those minutes. When he gets his chance, he, he delivers on the defensive end. So with Mike back, look at late-game offense. Look at the way that this team executes what they do, how they do it because they're getting a leader back into the fold when he returns. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast, because I've got Michael Pina on the podcast from The Ringer. He spoke to Zanuck, Mike Conley, Kelly Olynyk. He wrote a really, really good story about this team. Because today being Friday, it's Rudy Gobert's return. That's the biggest story I hope he gets a standing ovation for all that he delivered for this organization, all the wins, the defense player of the years, everything. He rules. Rooting for Rudy. Even though he's on a bad vibes team right now. (laughs) And it does not look good. But I'm rooting for him. Because he deserves it and he put so much into this team. I can't wait to see him play a game live. But we do a trade audit, how that trade looks for the Jazz pretty good. How the Donovan trade looks for the Jazz, pretty good. And how the Jazz look, pretty good. It's Michael Pina on Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it
1: comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving & Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving & Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. think anyone has ever pictured an ending quite like that um but it was close it was an extremely fun game and honestly the utah jazz have been one of the more enjoyable teams to watch this entire season so i i, I can't take credit for uh, for writing that one up um that was unscripted but it was a lot of fun to watch for sure
0: you can take credit for one of <laughs> the great tweets of Jazz Twitter that keeps circulating every time they get a big win. <laughs> and Lowry Markkinen has a good game. But Lowry Markinen having a better supporting cast than LeBron James. How, oh how, did? are we living in this universe where that can occur?
1: That's a terrific question. Um, I mean, it obviously goes back to the offseason where uh, Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck make uh, two blockbuster trades dealing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell out for guys who were, I guess it's fair to say unwanted by the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I think, obviously, those deals were made with draft picks in mind primarily, and it just seemed like, you know, they were getting, the Utah Jazz were getting back um, spare parts, and it turns out all of them The thing about the Utah Jazz, even going into the season for me personally, was looking at their roster, it didn't look like the prototypical rebuild. It wasn't the Houston Rockets. It wasn't the Oklahoma City Thunder. It wasn't the San Antonio Spurs. All those players who came back, a lot of them had a track record of success in the NBA. They were very good in their particular roles throughout their career. They had done things in the postseason. They were real players, like veterans, who can contribute at a at a high level, coming from teams that the Cavs didn't make the playoffs, but they were in the play-in. Timberwolves made the playoffs and nearly upset the Memphis Grizzlies. So you have guys like Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, obviously Lowry Markinen, who um, was a highly touted uh, lottery pick going to Chicago and just – I thought he played pretty well in Cleveland last season in his one year there. Um, so it was just like they got a lot of really good players, and it was on a rookie head coach, Will Hardy, to kind of make all the pieces fit in the right system, and, and then getting you know, your Mike Conley's and your Jordan Clarkson's, getting those veterans to buy in and accept that, hey, obviously, or not obviously, but I don't think we're necessarily going to be contending for a championship this season, and we're kind of going in a different direction, but we need everyone to be on the same page. And Will Hardy did that, and the results have just been a lot of fun. And even in a game like last night where um, you know, Steph Curry, Wiggins, Draymond Green, they don't play. Uh it's still just a really impressive win in how they won that basketball game. And I don't think a lot of people anticipated them having a winning record after twenty-five or twenty-six games or however many they played either. So it's just been a lot of fun for Utah this season.
0: They've been such chaos. Every single game kind of has that same hectic, frenetic energy at the end. And last night's game was perfectly encapsulating that by getting two steals at the last 30 seconds. One shot, Simone Fentecchio gets blocked by Clay Thompson. And then the other one ends up in his game winner with a dunk. That Jazz chaos has to be something that if. If you love watching the league for different styles of play, chaos with the Jazz is so much fun to watch.
1: They're very chaotic. That's a word that Mike Conley used when I spoke to him about the team. I think he said that they they have a chaotic nature unlike any team that he's ever played on before. And a lot of that has to do with the players there and how they function. And a lot of it has to do with the playing style, I think. Um, just the fight the offensively, it's that they have the third best offense in the NBA right now, which is just like kind of stunning. I don't think people understand how ridiculous that is to get up the threes that they do to get good look threes um without a a quote unquote, superstar setting the table for everybody else is kind of it's not unheard of, but it's just incredibly rare. And so five out, paint open. Um, everybody's able to make plays off the balance. Everybody's able to make reads against a rotating defense. Pretty much everyone is able to shoot at a really high level and that just makes them unpredictable. It makes them chaotic. It makes them really difficult to guard. Um, I I can't say that the defense or the offense is responsible for so many close games and so many clutch performances. Um, but I think their offense is just, um, a huge, factor in how um, interesting and engaging they've been on the floor this
0: season. What have you made of this rebuild and how they went about it? Because they come in, and it's in the story, 10th most games played in the league with the group that they bring in. We have a beat writer in the group, Sarah Todd. Shout out Sarah, Des News. She covered the process Sixers, and she knows what a rebuilding tank team looks like mm-hmm. it has a lot of parts that are coming in and out especially with the regime that was in Philly no offense to this guy who was on the roster in training camp but there need to be more Sabin Lees on this team getting rotation minutes for them to be in the tank bottom four of the Western Conference of the entire league them bringing in Real parts, Kelly Olinick, professionals like that. How have you made of this rebuild in the way that they've gone about trying to thread that to have so many balls in the air, as Justin Zanuck said?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a master class. Like, they're having their cake and they're eating it too, right? You're able to have this um, product on the floor of quality players who are fitting and complementing one another. And playing a really exciting brand of basketball. And then on the other side of it, you're not stressed or you shouldn't be stressed about the lottery because, and your own ability to have the most ping pong balls or a 14% chance of getting the first round pick with, or the first overall pick with your own record because you own so much draft equity from. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, small, frankly, small market organizations. That who knows what could happen with them, and we've already seen just this year alone. The Minnesota Timberwolves, like I know they had a pretty nice win, I guess, against the Pacers um, uh, on Thursday night, but kind of a disaster. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's like too strong of a word, but I, I would say that they've been one of the more disappointing. Um, teams and their one of their best players, their franchise player, Carl Anthony Towns, is out now for um a good chunk of time with a serious injury. And like, look, the Western Conference is really muddy, and anything can happen right now. And so it wouldn't be a total stunner if that team just didn't make the playoffs and ended up in the lottery, and because of flattened lottery odds, like anything can happen. Um, and so I feel like jazz fans are able to in the short term really enjoy what they're seeing knowing that uh they have all these picks um elsewhere from one from minnesota they have their own pick obviously as well and then a third first i think in this year's draft and so there's just so much like the picks are kind of everything and you can do so many things with them danny ainge has experience wheeling and dealing with picks, being patient with picks. He's had a lot of luck in the lottery before too. So if the jazz were to falter because someone else gets injured, it's a long season. If they were to finish with the ninth or 10th worst record or something like that. They could also win the lottery. Like you don't have to be abysmal. And I think they've understood that. And, you know, I I just think that that's just a wonderful way to, to go about rebuilding and, the word "rebuild" is maybe not even the most accurate to describe. Like it's kind of like a reinvention, honestly, on the fly of what they were before. Um, and it's just it's awesome.
0: Is it more enjoyable than last year watching this team? <laughs> I mean, yes,
1: <laughs> of course. I don't, I don't know. Any, I mean, even Donovan Mitchell said he's having I mean, he's never had more fun playing basketball or whatever he said in Cleveland right now. Um, I yeah, I would say. Uh, from a I, I, first of all, I'll say that um, I was probably a little higher than most national media members on Utah, uh, last season, and I was a believer in um, and still like Rudy Gobert a lot, and think he can have success in the postseason for sure. Um, but uh, I guess even just aesthetically watching them play throughout the regular season, where I think they finished with the fir- the best offense in the NBA last year. It's just a, uh, you know, I, I in my story I, uh, labeled it kind of like a conveyor belt, and that's just what they were. They were just like a lot of spread pick and roll, and Rudy diving, and either Conley or Donovan or Joe Ingles before he got hurt, whoever, just kind of running, the pick and roll, and spraying out to shooters, they took a ton of threes and that's cool, it's really efficient, it's not necessarily more fun to watch than whatever the hell Kelly Olynyk is doing on a possession-to-possession <laughs> possession basis to me personally um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, I think like just aesthetically this year's team is uh, more fun and then yeah, like lowered expectations I think also kind of add a little bit of, uh, they take a little bit of stress off um, I, th- I would assume from a fan, a fan base that was maybe getting a little antsy with what was going on.
0: I don't think anybody who watches the Jazz knows what Kelly olinick is doing. At times. he may not know. Yeah, you know, some pump fakes are are for no reason. There's nobody in front of him and he's pump faking. It's amazing.
1: He's the best. He's Mike Conley called him a pseudo point guard. He pretty much like could be your point guard if you really wanted. I think he played point guard in high school before he had a huge growth spurt years ago. Uh, just like the, like super smart player, um, the keepers on the, the, the DHOs when he just reads the floor, keeps the ball goes to the rim and goes into the paint and just, you know, we, I just trust him to make the right decision. Uh, Always been a really good outside shooter, can space the floor, off ball, really hitting his shots so far this season. That'll probably come down a little bit as the year goes on, but right now he's hitting them. And just such a dangerous offensive player in so many different ways. And I think low-key that trade should have signaled the trade to acquire him for Bogdanovich, should have signaled uh, maybe organizationally what the Jazz thought that they had going into the season. Where, you know, I think a lot of teams would have just tried to get off of Bogdanovich for a late first, a protected first, two seconds, three seconds, whatever. That's what a typical rebuilding team probably would have done there. And for the Jazz to get back this guy who Danny has experience playing for Danny Ainge back in Boston. Danny Ainge drafted him, long adored him, took him over Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um anyone who remembers that. Um so, so yeah, he's I think that, that that trade right there was really telling in um, what they wanted to try to do this year because Kelly just makes everyone around him better. He has for his entire career.
0: Owner of the dumbest game winner this year against the Pelicans. <laughs> just the most ridiculous keeper. He he goes and flips it up for the win. What a time. let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. former U.S. Men's National Team coaches, Bruce Arena, he would say about Clint Dempsey, he just tries And Mm -hmm. for me, that kind of Kelly Olenek, he just tries He tries that you may want late in game, sometimes you may not want, but his creative passing as a big can be advantageous for this team where you don't know exactly who to key in on as a number one option.
1: Absolutely. And Kelly spelled that out in the story. Um basically saying what makes the team and the offense so difficult to guard is you can't scout them. They don't have the typical superstar. They don't have the formulaic offense. They read and react. And that's exactly how he that's, you know, when Will Hardy kind of doubled down in, in saying that, and you know, the need to um, create an environment where everyone can be successful. And that's the, just an example of that is like, Kelly can be really successful in an environment like that, in a situation like that, in a system like the one that they've embraced collectively. And yeah, he totally unpredictable, totally chaotic, uh, kind of personifies the whole team right now in a a certain sense.
0: Let's do trade audits uh, before we let you go, but trade audits on what Minnesota did by getting Rudy Gobert and all the assets that they sent to where they're at right now. Were you a fan of it at the time? And where are you now that we have a little bit of a quarter of a season to look at what Minnesota did? Clearly bad vibes, but where were you at the beginning of it?
1: I was not a fan of what the Minnesota Timberwolves gave up to get Rudy Gobert. I thought it was silly. I also, at the same time, Thought that the Minnesota Timberwolves would be more successful on the court with Rudy. I've always uh, loved Rudy, understand Rudy's value, um, understand what the Minnesota Timberwolves needed. I, I got what Tim Connolly was going for with that um, with that acquisition. Rim protection next to Carl Anthony Towns is an absolute must. They wanted to take the next step. Totally get it giving up everything that they got, that they gave up it just it might be one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA like time will tell we'll see what happens with all these picks we'll see what Utah does with them but like even just what I like to say is even just losing Jared Vanderbilt it's just like why why did you do that he's good he's young he's not expensive like it just everything about the trade in terms of what Minnesota gave up to get Rudy Gobert does not make a lot of sense to me And it's it's just a real head scratcher, I guess. And one of the other things I'll say real quick is like going into the draft, a lot of mock drafts had uh, Walker Kessler going to the Minnesota Timberwolves because he's this great, he was this great shot blocker and rim protector in college at Auburn. And that's exactly the type of player that you need to put next to Carl Anthony Towns. And the more I watch Walker Kessler, I'm like, why didn't the Minnesota Timberwolves just draft Walker Kessler, keep all of their picks, keep Vanderbilt, keep Beasley, keep Patrick Beverly, and you'll be better. Like it just didn't make it. It's just it's just it, yeah, it's I could go on and on and on. Um kind of a wild trade when you really get into it. Um, but you know, I hope that for them Anthony Edwards is able to develop a little bit quicker than he has offensively, mature a little bit quicker. Hope Carl gets back healthy and they get all their their pieces on the court and are able to uh, put it together. But as just a fundamental trade, it's kind of like a laughable embarrassment at this point.
0: Why hasn't it worked? Why hasn't it been to the point where they can look functional with both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor? Because sometimes people are running into each other. It, it doesn't look functional as an NBA team. I'm watching for the train wreck, not for the successes, sadly, sometimes.
1: (laughs) I think that's a really good question. I mean, they had a tough start to the year with um, Carl had an illness, was able to miss training camp. I think he missed. I don't think that those two were able to play at all together in the preseason, if my memory serves me correct. So like that's really valuable and putting in that equity. So they kind of just had to hit the ground running and, It's a huge shift. Like Rudy Gobert is a very unique player in that he's dominant defensively. He's going to, you're going to have to change your whole defense though. And your whole offense to kind of accentuate what he can do. And so, you know, they did not do drop coverage last year. So they have to change everything about their defensive scheme to fit him in offensively. Rudy can't space. Rudy can't post. Rudy. I mean, you obviously know what Rudy can and can't do, being someone who watched him play basketball. And so what he does is he – and one of the quotes that Mike Conley gave me for the story that I thought was kind of telling is the paint is open now. The paint is open in Utah. The paint is – was open last year when you had Carl Anthony Towns at the five, the paint is no longer open. And so there's a little bit of frustration for Anthony Edwards. Who says, I mean, when the season first few weeks of the season, I don't think he had a dunk for like the first 12 games or something crazy like that. He's like one of the best dunkers and game dunkers we have in this league. So spacing, which is everything in today's league, it was completely shot. And, you know, it takes time for a head coach like Chris Finch who's really smart one of the better coaches in basketball for him to figure out how he can uh, stagger his two centers, get the most out of them at the same time, close with them, just get as much spacing on the floor as possible um, to let Anthony Edwards, to let uh, Jaden McDaniels, to let these guys cook with the ball as much as they can and be as comfortable with the ball as they can. I think that takes a lot of time. And in today's, uh, you know, how we watch the NBA today, everything's a pressure cooker and, um, we want immediate results. And if there aren't immediate results that are positive, sometimes things never get better. Uh, and I think that that's a potential concern in Minnesota now, um, but they will they have no choice but to be patient with it, though. So I guess we'll see how everything shakes out once Carl comes back.
0: It is pretty interesting because how long it takes. Like, the Jazz didn't start getting that top five offense until the bubble. They didn't figure out until right before the shutdown when Mike Conley started to figure things out, Boyan started to figure things out. Like, that group took time to gel to finally be that top five offense. Makes sense that it'll take a little bit of time. Cleveland, though, has gotten off running with Donovan Mitchell. That trade for both sides looks to be working out when you see Lowry Markin the way he's playing with Utah and Donovan providing what Cleveland needs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a little bit more balanced for me. I will say Lowry could be the all-star team this year. I don't think Cleveland anticipated that when they gave gave him up. Um Colin Sexton has been really good uh, coming back from his knee injury last year. And I think the offensive rating for the starting five when he filled in for Mike Conley was something like 133 points per 100 possessions or something like that. Just ridiculous stuff. He's that kind was of- the
0: defense, too. The defense was 133 <laughs> as well. They couldn't grab yeah. a rebound.
1: Very, very fair. Very fair. Um, but. You know he's coming along as a playmaker. So those are two like young players that could be a part of the next iteration of the Utah Jazz when the Utah Jazz are a very good um, potential championship contending team. And you know uh, the picks are a lot. There's a lot of picks, and a lot of them don't come into won't come into fruition until we see if Donovan Mitchell is. You know, he says he's very happy there now. He could leave in free agency in a couple of years. That's totally possible. Uh, and having the Cleveland Cavaliers picks, you know, Evan Mobley is still going to be there. Darius Garland most likely is still going to be there. Those are very, very, very good players, all-star caliber players. Um, So I don't think that Cleveland will just fall off the face of the earth and you'll have the number one pick or anything like that. But picks are great for for trading, for upgrading your team. For just a whole bunch of different options. Optionality is just like the, the key word for the Utah Jazz right now as an organization. And those picks are humongous. Um for Cleveland, you know, Donovan Mitchell looks like a he looks like an MVP candidate. I mean, I don't know if the pull up three percentage is gonna sustain throughout the entire season. He's been hitting basically everything. Um, But he's also been trying and engaged on the defensive end, which you can't really say about uh, his last few weeks, months, however long you want to say it, with the Jazz were. Um, So that's – I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers should be thrilled. They're very good. I don't think they're perfect. I think they still need some size on the wing if they're going to match up with a team like the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series. But they should be really happy with where they are and the player that they got back and the talent that they got back. And the Jazz should be thrilled with the picks and Lowry and Colin Sexton. So I think that this was more of a win-win transaction. Is this some of the
0: best basketball Donovan's played?
1: I think that's fair to say for sure. And to be honest with you, yeah, it's fair to say. I mean, he he's had some amazing – I mean, in the playoffs before this this past postseason, he was just like a totally unguardable force of nature. So I don't know if if what I've seen so far is as good as that. But he's been really good. He's been really good. Um, and to be honest with you, what surprised me about it has been, um, you know, Quinn Snyder's offensive system is so beneficial to someone like Donovan Mitchell and that he always had so much space. He had the dive man, one dive man in Rudy or Whiteside or whoever it was setting the screen and then just great three-point shooters. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't have great three-point shooting, so I thought that he would struggle a little bit kind of getting adjusted there, and it just hasn't mattered. He's been just such a potent shot maker from the perimeter and has really worked well with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and particularly when one of those guys is on the court and then Kevin Love is able to space, Donovan's been terrific attacking the rim. So he's, he's just been, he's been great. Uh, I think both teams should be absolutely thrilled right now.
0: Is that team a tier below Boston, Milwaukee, those two at the top, obviously. And then Cleveland in that second group,
1: I would say the Celtics, the Celtics might be in their own tier, to be honest with you. Um, they're 21 and five. They have the best offense that we've ever seen. On record since they started tracking play by play data. Uh, their defense is not up to ninth right now, I think, after the shellacking that they gave the Phoenix Suns yesterday. So like that team could be uh, yeah. If they and they haven't had Rob Williams yet, who's their third best player. So that team could be just kind of out in front of everybody. Um so I would say them, the Bucks, obviously Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, tremendous, number one defense, great. I'd say that those two teams are above anyone else in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Cavaliers, I think I said it earlier, but they just kind of lack the, for competing in the playoffs, they lack the, the size on the wing and the defensive versatility I think you need to have. I don't know if Karis Levert necessarily is the answer. I don't know if Isaac Okoro or Dean Wade are the answers there. We'll see. Uh, And then they're young. They haven't, like Darius Garland, um, Evan Mobley, those guys have never played in a playoff series. The experience there is definitely a factor too. And I just think there's a lot of matchup issues in the Eastern Conference. If you were to match up with a team like even the Nets, with uh Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who is guarding those two I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is going to uh really get down and dirty on the defensive end for an entire seven game series that's that remains to be seen and then um no one on that team can guard Kevin Durant so (laughs) including Evan Mobley who's terrific
0: but nobody in the world
1: it's Nobody true. in the it's world fair. can do that. <laughs> incredibly fair. Incredibly fair. Um, except for Grant Williams. Incredibly fair. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I would just say that they're probably a, a tier below those those two teams, the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, but, you know, we could see something at the trade deadline. They still have some pieces to move to shuffle around. And they're very young. So I think their best days are ahead of them. They don't need to, you know, win it all this season.
0: The Ringers. Michael Pina on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Check out his piece, Jazz Improvise Reboot Can't Go Wrong, on The Ringer right now. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it.